To a lot of people, Dungeons & Dragons is about doing the things you could never do otherwise, whether that involves adventuring through the mountains, fighting bugbears, or making packs with otherworldly beings. You know, the stuff we all dream about. There's some things you have to know before waltzing into your deal with the devil or god. You do have options after all. However, if you're going to sell your soul, you should do it right. And this 5e guide is all about doing just that. First things first, you've got to decide who holds your soul. Obviously your patron doesn't have to be a force of evil or chaos, contrary to popular belief, not all warlocks are servants of evil. However, the build and morality of your character can depend on your patron, so let's go over all of the different ones, at least at a glance, real quick. With this one, you have made a pact with a devil, demon lord, or other hellish spirit. A deal with one of these patrons gives you access to a number of flame-based spells. Not to mention, at later levels, you can literally throw opponents through hell. Fun? If you want to live forever, well, we've definitely got a deal for you with this one. Undying patrons are mortal beings that have conquered death. They give you access to a number of life-related spells, which makes you a great healer and ally for your party. The Fae are definitely a strange bunch. However, they are known for making deals with humans, giving them the ability to cast illusions and interact with nature. Use these illusions to help your group or give yourself a boost while in battle. Along with just sounding cool, a Hexblade is actually a sentient weapon that serves as a conduit for a shadowy, unknown figure. That is your patron, and contact with your Hexblade has given you the ability to cast hexes, control specters, and wield weapons with deadly proficiency. Not quite a god, but they might as well be. A Celestial is a powerful being bound to the Upper Plains, and you've given yourself over to them in exchange for power and purpose. Along with gaining access to healing and life spells, you're also blessed with the ability to channel radiant energy. If you're a fan of existential horror or spooky aesthetics, or really Lovecraft for that matter, the Great Old One is an utterly foreign, completely omniscient being. And you, lucky player, have tapped into a fraction of their incomprehensible knowledge. With this pact, you've been given a collection of dark spells, including the ability to dominate people's bodies and minds. The objective is to stay alive and keep your party members alive as well. Depending on your patron, you might be good or bad at this. If you're determined to be a strong ally for your party, you've got to offer protection, and there are two ways to do this. You can choose a life-based patron. The Archfey, Undying, and Celestial patrons are powerful options for this type of character. Their spell list can include spells for healing, protection, and even revival. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way and kill your enemies before they kill you or anyone else in your party by using your skills as a warrior and protector. Hexblade, Fiend, and the Old One are strong and can help you protect squishier members of your party. The second objective of D&D is, scientifically speaking, to kick ass, and this is the best way to do it. Choose your spells and invocations wisely. This goes double if you're a warlock of the tome. Take your DM's campaign into account while choosing spells, and try to choose spells that will weaken or harm your enemies directly. For great damage output, the most popular combo for Warlocks is Hex, followed by Spam of Eldritch Blast. Remember that Hex allows you to move the target of Hex as a bonus action. While many read the Hex description as needing to be moved the following turn, it can actually be any future turn. With the proper invocations, you can really level up the Eldritch Blast but you'll lose the utility of other invocations that only Warlocks can get. 
One of the key areas where warlocks shine is that they get all of their slots back on a short rest, and they cast their spells at the highest level every single time. With Eldritch Blast always being a solid damage option, it's not as important to keep those spell slots in reserve like it might be for other spells. While you may not be initiating an ambush, you may want to start combat with your highest casualty spell. Warlocks don't have a ton of area of effect options, but spells like Create Bonfire and Hungry of Hadar when combined with Repelling Blast can make it so that enemies spend their rounds running out of difficult terrain only to be pushed back in. Remember, you can hold your action until a foe leaves the area of effect for spells like this. You can also call on your allies to shove them back in as well if one of them has that ability or option. All of this ignores the Blade Lock and Hexblade and their direct damage options. If you choose to do more of a melee-styled Warlock, remember that you'll need to be making concentration checks quite frequently, so Warcaster or Resilient feats really shine here. Armor of Agathis will give you the additional hit points while doing damage to those who hit you. Hellish Rebuke is a great way to make others pay for hitting you as well. Always try to fight smart. While it might be tempting to choose a spell that can inflict a lot of damage, you might be better off choosing a spell that weakens, disorients, or scares them. Minor Illusion and Fear are a really good example of this. Make use of your weapon. All players get a weapon, so don't be afraid to use it. You're not just a spellcaster, you're a warrior, so use the weapon. If you've got a round of prep, True Strike is never a bad thing to use. Outside of combat, how well does a warlock fare? Well, that depends on your character and your stats. With a high charisma, it's not inconceivable that your character could end up being the face of the party. If you plan for this through the right background, you might prove additional utility outside of combat. Dexterity can also be an integral part of your character's utility, so don't be afraid to step forward and sweet-talk people or stealth your way around an eavesdrop. You really shouldn't be afraid to choose non-combative spells. While your book of spells is low on space, you shouldn't feel obligated to stuff it with offensive spells. The ability to scry, charm people, and turn invisible can be pretty darn handy. Combined with Mask of Many Faces, it's possible you can avoid a lot of combat through clever usage. This is where your Dungeons & Dragons Warlock truly comes to life. What are they like? What skills do they have? What kind of Warlock are they? Your character's patron plays a large part in what spells, features, and invocations they have, so be sure to choose wisely. At level 3, your character will come to another crossroads that will further shape them into a warlock and warrior. Here's the three types of packs and how they might affect your character in the long run. By becoming a warlock of the chain, you've gained the ability to summon familiars and have them do your bidding. Your familiars can be otherworldly and can give you massive advantages during adventures and battles. With Pact of Blade, you gain the ability to summon your packed weapon at will, regardless of its size or location. Using a ritual, you can change your Pact Weapon to any magical and non-sentient melee weapon of your choice. With Pact of the Tome, your patron has given you a Grimoire, which contains three cantrips from any spell list. These are all cantrips you can't get from the Warlock list and don't take up any spell slots. As long as you have your Tome, you have these spells. Your character gains invocations, patron features, and growing Mystic Arcanum as they level up. Keep an eye on these, and keep growing your character and their skills as you continue to go through the ranks. Overall, I think a lot of people like playing the Warlock because it offers the moral ambiguity from the role-playing as a person that sold their soul to a deity, as well as the combat effectiveness of playing a spellcaster who can still hold their own if the situation gets a little haywire. 
Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week. And if you or someone you know is creating a really interesting warlock character, I would love to read about it down in the comments. My favorite warlock that I've ever encountered was actually a warlock bard multiclasser named Isabella. And she was a lot of fun, to put it lightly. <laughs> Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.